This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Arterial Line Placement by Dr. James A. DiNardo Introduction Hi, my name is Jim DiNardo. I'm Professor of Anesthesia at Harvard Medical School, and I'm uh, one of the cardiac anesthesiologists and ICU uh, attendings here at uh, Children's Hospital Boston. We're going to be uh, talking about um, arterial uh, pressure monitoring today, and specifically uh, placement of uh, arterial pressure monitoring catheters. Indications. The indications for placing an arterial line include patients who require continuous blood pressure monitoring, such as those who are hemodynamically unstable, require vasoactive agents or active volume resuscitation, or in whom non-invasive blood pressure monitoring is unreliable or unobtainable. Patients who require significant respiratory support and need frequent lab sampling, including regular arterial blood gases. But these indications must be weighed against the potential risks. Infection, trauma to the artery, potential thrombosis, hematoma. Contraindications. Some healthcare providers would refrain from performing this procedure in patients with infection at the insertion site, traumatic injury proximal to the insertion site, inadequate collateral circulation of the extremity indicated by a failed Allen's test. Complications. The complications that you may observe include infection, trauma to the artery, thrombosis. Equipment. You will need the following equipment to perform the procedure. Armboard. Tape. Chlorhexidine prep solution. Arterial catheter. Guide wire. We must make sure that the guide wire fits through the catheter. T-connector. Sterile occlusive dressing. Sterile gloves. Sterile towels. Transducer system. Saline flush. Techniques. Basically, there are two types of techniques um, for obtaining peripheral arterial access. The first is known as the um, slide-off or thread-off technique, where we place a catheter in the artery, a catheter and needle system in the artery, and then we actually, once we obtain access, we slide the catheter off the needle into the artery. The other technique is known as the through-and-through -through technique, where we use a, a needle and catheter system 
to actually intentionally go through both the anterior and posterior wall of the artery. And then we actually um, pull, we remove the needle from the catheter, pull the catheter back to the point where just the catheter is in the artery, and we have obviously arterial uh, blood coming out of the catheter. And at that point, we insert a guide wire through the catheter, which is then going to come out the end of this catheter, and we use that as a guide to thread the catheter off into the artery. If you decide to use this um, thread-off technique or slide-off technique, you're going to approach the artery um, at a much shallower angle than you will if you intentionally do a through-and-through -through technique. And obviously the advantage of approaching at a shallow angle is it's much more amenable once you get flow to threading the catheter off into the artery. Whereas you can see in this technique, um, it's very unlikely that you're going to get a catheter to thread off a needle at a steep angle like this. When you decide to go with this technique, it's important to remember that if you're unsuccessful at threading the catheter off, it's best to um, remove the catheter, hold pressure for a little bit, and then reattempt again um, using that same technique, if that's the technique you're going to use, rather than doing what people will oftentimes try to do, which is to convert this thread-off technique to a through-and-through -through technique. And the, the problem with doing that is, if, I, if you imagine that I go at this shallow angle and attempt to pierce the posterior wall of this artery, you can see that this is very different than this. And the difference is subtle but important. At this shallow angle, if I go through the posterior wall of this artery, I'm going to raise a much bigger flap of intima on the posterior wall of this artery than I am if I go through at this steep angle. And the problem with trying to convert this technique to a through and through technique is that when I then go through and through and I pull the catheter back looking for blood and I'm sitting right here when I then go to place the guide wire through this catheter, the guide wire is going to be directed directly at the area here where I raise the intimal flap. And the likelihood that I'm going to get the guide wire to avoid the flap and track up this way is very small. It's important at the outset to decide which technique you're going to use and stick to it. Placement sites. So um, when we think about the sites available for uh, blood pressure monitoring, we tend to think about peripheral sites uh, versus central sites. And um, when we talk about peripheral sites, the, probably the most common peripheral site would be the radial artery. And the reason that that's a popular choice is that uh, it's easily accessible. The pulse is... Um, generally easily palpated there. Uh, even in most circumstances of low cardiac output, it's relatively easy to feel a radial artery pulse. And the other is, is that the um, hand, which obviously is supplied by the radial artery, has good collateral circulation from the uh, artery on the other side of the arm, which is the ulnar artery. 
And in fact, the ulnar artery is bigger generally than the radial artery. So when we put a catheter in the radial artery, we're really um, potentially compromising the smaller of the two arteries to the hand, which is supplied um, via the palmar arch from both the radial and the ulnar artery. The other peripheral sites that we um, commonly think of would be um, uh, the dorsalis pedis artery um, here on the uh, dorsal aspect of the uh, foot. And the other would be the uh, posterior tibial artery. And again, um, the reason that those two sites are popular is that because there are two uh, relatively major arteries to the foot, if we ca catheterize one of the arteries, we have good collateral flow from the other remaining artery. The other um, peripheral site uh, that's a potential area uh, for arterial catheterization is the brachial artery, although uh, in our experience that's probably the least popular site we're going to talk about. And the reason for that is that um, the brachial artery uh, is the sole blood supply uh, to the entire um, distal part of the arm uh, before the brachial uh, divides into the radial and ulnar artery. So. If we compromise the brachial artery, if it thrombosis, if it goes into spasm, um, it's a relatively small artery uh, that provides the total blood supply to the arm. And so it's, as a consequence of that, it's, it's not one of the most popular sites. Now, we mentioned that there are also central sites. And the two most common central sites would be the femoral artery, uh, obviously one on either side. And the other would be the axillary artery. And um, when we think about central sites, those are sites we generally reserve for patients where we're incapable of feeling uh, any distal pulse. So those would be patients who have profound uh, shock states, either cardiogenic or non-cardiogenic, or where they've had procedures or trauma to their extremities uh, that precludes placement of a peripheral line. The femoral line, uh, the advantages of the femoral line, obviously, are that it's a relatively big artery. So if we use a small catheter, even though it is the sole blood supply to the leg, if we use a small catheter, there is going to be flow around the catheter uh, to supply the rest of the leg. And the same is true of the axillary artery. Although it's the sole supply of blood to the distal um, arm, it's a relatively large artery, and, and as long as we use a relatively small catheter, there will be flow around the catheter through the axillary artery to the rest of the arm. When we're getting ready to cannulate these different sites, um, and this obviously may vary from institution to institution and place to place, when we talk about peripheral catheter placement, we consider that a clean uh, but not necessarily a sterile procedure. And by that I mean, we, if we were putting in a peripheral arterial line, we would use gloves, we would clean the area, we would use uh, drapes uh, prior to cannulation. Um, if we were cannulating a central site, uh, in specifically the femoral or the axillary artery, we would consider that a sterile procedure, and that would require, in addition to prepping and draping and gloves that would require gowning uh, and a hat and a mask. Procedure.
So we're going to um, walk through uh, putting in a radial arterial line. And the first thing we need to do is establish that there's good collateral flow through the ulnar artery before we decide to put a catheter in the radial artery. And there are a number of ways to um, assess the adequacy of collateral flow, but really the simplest is we, our patient has a uh, pulse oximeter on their hand. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to completely occlude the radial artery pulse with my fingers here. And then I'm going to look at the pulse ox trace. And as long as the pulse oximeter trace continues, I know that there has to be good collateral flow through the ulnar artery. Um, so that even in the worst case scenario, if I completely occluded the radial artery, uh, this child would continue to have flow to their entire hand through the ulnar artery. Point of clarification. It is very important to establish collateral flow before attempting arterial line placement, particularly when using radial or ulnar cannulation sites. Collateral circulation to the hand can be verified by performing an Allen test, which involves checking the patient's hand for perfusion, while alternately occluding the radial and ulnar arteries. We will now demonstrate how to perform an Allen test. While the patient clenches his or her fist, compress both the radial and ulnar arteries for 30 seconds. If the patient is unable to cooperate, you will have to occlude the arteries for a longer period of time and wait until the palm turns pale. Next, have the patient open his or her fist and the hand should be pale, meaning circulation has been obstructed. Release pressure on only the radial artery and observe the hand for the return of color indicating adequate blood flow through that artery. A normal result of an Allen test would be the rapid return of normal pink color to the hand. If the hand does not return to normal color quickly, this indicates abnormal flow through the tested artery. This test is then repeated with the ulnar artery. Instead of visual assessment, blood flow can also be measured using a pulse oximeter, as was explained previously. So we're going to walk through putting uh, a radial artery catheter in now. For optimal wrist positioning, place the patient's arm on a board with a roll of gauze pads underneath the dorsal part of the hand to create about a 45-degree angle. This is important in order to provide comfort to the patient as well as good exposure to the radial artery. We're going to assume for the sake of this demonstration that our patient is well anesthetized and we're not really going to talk about uh, sedation or analgesia for placement of this catheter right now. So, so I've washed my hands uh, and put on a pair of sterile gloves and we're now going to prepare the um, radial artery uh, for arterial cannulation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, prep the skin here and then drape it with the sterile towels. I'm going to get my chlora prep organized and I'm prepping the skin. And I've left myself a really wide area here so I can see the good part of the arm and the artery and I'm prepping a nice wide area. And then I'm going to take my towels and again I'm going to do this in a way so that I leave myself lots of room. There's no point in trying to do this through a really tiny little hole. And I'm going to use all 
four of these and make a nice little square so I can see what I'm doing. Point of clarification. Remember, a timeout should be performed prior to any invasive procedure. So we've got our patient prepped and draped here, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to demonstrate now um, the method for using the, um, the slide-off um, technique for putting this radial artery catheter. And you can see I have a needle uh, catheter over a needle system here. So this will just slide off. And this is a 22-gauge catheter. It is important to select the size of the catheter based on the size of the patient. 24-gauge catheters are used for infants, 22-gauge for toddlers, 22 to 20-gauge for small children, and 20 to 18-gauge for larger children and adults. And remember, as we said earlier, for the technique where we um, slide the catheter off, we're going to go at a very shallow angle. So I'm going to be at an angle like this, as opposed to an angle like this if I were going to intentionally go through and through the artery. You can imagine how that in order to be able to thread this off, going at this shallow angle like this, it'll be much more likely that I could thread the catheter off. So what I'm going to do is feel the pulse here and orient myself with the catheter at a relatively flat angle. And then I'm going to be looking for blood return in the top of this um, catheter. Some people will um, flush the catheter with saline as a way of enhancing the ability to see a flash of blood. You can see that there's a little flash of blood there in the hub of the catheter. And now what I'm going to do is I still continue to have flow here, so I ought to be able to thread this catheter off right into the artery, which we've done. And then I have my connector, which I have clamped here, and I also have a little cap on the end of it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the needle out now and hook this up to my connector. And you can see I have the free return of blood there. Please note that when connecting the T-connector to the transducer system, it is important to ensure that no air bubble is introduced. So I'm hooked up now, and I can then stabilize this with my occlusive dressing, like so. And then what I can do now that I have control of this is unclip this, and I should have... I'll have blood coming back through my connector to here. And now we'll be ready to hook this to the transducer system. The use of a heparinized or unheparinized saline flush is necessary to ensure that good arterial blood flow can be drawn back and flushed through the T-connector system. Assessment and monitoring. It is important to assess the patient's perfusion of the distal extremity and to monitor for signs of infection at the insertion site. You should also closely be watching the morphology of the arterial line tracing and blood pressure values on the monitor. Documentation
Following arterial line placement, you should document the following information in the patient's medical record. Indication for procedure. Date and time of procedure. Site of placement. Size of catheter used. Number and location of all attempts. That concludes our video on arterial line placement. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.